two, three weeks ago. Um, you know, the Lord has been preaching in a lot of these services. And I know y'all have enjoyed that, even though you think, oh, he's going to preach a short message. But, um, you know, we take after our bishop. And we are, <laughs> amen, right, Sister Hannah? Sister Hannah can, can talk as well. Right, Bishop? Amen. <laughs> we be having those one-way conversations. Just kidding. I don't want to get beat up tonight. I want to make it back here on Sunday. Um, you can turn to Second Chronicles. You can remain seated. Second Chronicles chapter 17. Verse 7 through 9, that is home for us. Second Chronicles 17, 7 through 9. And um, before we read, I am going to honor um, the Joshua team. I appreciate them. I am grateful for the Joshua team. God has put the right people in the right place for the man of God to lean on. Um, give honor to the pastoral staff and the offices of their gifting. I am grateful for every one of you. It's good to have Pastor Hildebrand back tonight. Amen. And, of course, um, Pastor Brent is partying in Ireland, I believe. Um, he better not party too hard because he has to come back, but we miss him. We'll be grateful when he's back. Give honor to the departmental leaders, every single one of you. We need you. Um, I give honor to you, church body. We love you. We are family. Amen. Give honor to the first family, first lady, her holy and righteous self. Go on, girl give honor to my sister. Lord, have mercy. Give honor to my bishop tonight. Don't you love Bishop Jackson? <laughs> now you know that his middle name is not Michael. You can be seated. Amen. He can dance like him, though. Right, Bishop? Hey! <laughs> Let's keep it HG, Bishop. Holy Ghost. Rated. Second Chronicles chapter 17, 7 through 9. I'm going to read it real quick, and then I'm going to have Bishop pray. So Second Chronicles chapter 17. Verse 7 through 9 reads, and I'm going to skip all these names. So we're, you're going to get a remix version of, of the passage here. Also in the third year of his reign, talking about King Jehoshaphat, he sent to his princes to teach in the cities of Judah. Verse 8. And with them he sent Levites, and with them... Elishama, Elishama, and Jehoram the priest. Verse 9. And they taught in Judah 
and had the book of the law of the Lord with them and went about throughout all the cities of Judah and taught the people. So if I could have you, Bishop, pray over this uh, teaching tonight. Thank you, Lord, for what we feel in this place. Thank you for your presence being manifest here. Lord, your hand is upon your female servant. Your hand is on this congregation. Allow your word to go forward in power, in liberty, demonstration, and manifestation. Allow this word to fall on good ground. Let it be engrafted in our hearts and in our minds. And I'm asking, oh God, that your spirit would lead us and allow us to comprehend and understand the word that's going forth. We give you the honor and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, I want to recap uh, briefly um, because it's been a minute. If you were here um, on the Monday night, um, we had corporate prayers. Sister um, Sister Allie um, hit on this. And it's, it's amazing. You know, we don't coordinate any of this stuff, but the Lord will confirm through the other ministry someone else's um, thought or um, word that the Lord has impressed upon them. So um, it is a confidence builder that you're not hearing some strange voice out there. You are indeed hearing the voice of God. Amen. Um, but when we started talking about this, um, it's really talking about the structure or what the Lord has given me is talking about the structure of the church and, and how we are building it. Um, there have been a lot of traditions that have been put into place. And um, throughout the course of time, those traditions have become like doctrine, uh, like gospel. And um, we are through the word. This is a word church. Everything we do is based on the word. It's based on a principle of the word. It's based on something that's clear cut in the word of God. And if there's something that is gray area or there's some leniency, our bishop will let us know. But everything is founded on the word of God. And looking at the Old Testament... When I was reading, what stuck out to me um, was similar patterns um, when it came to the kingdoms. And we'll get into a little bit of uh, King David um, tonight. Um, but what I was seeing was a mention of the princes, the Levites, and the priests. And there's a little bit of a trend there. So I do want to correct. I mentioned um, when I brought up in this passage it's talking about King Jehoshaphat in, in the context of 2 Chronicles chapter 17. When he sent these uh, people um, to these certain cities of Judah to teach, the king that sent them out was King Jehoshaphat. Now, he was a good king. Um, the trend with a lot of the kings when the nation of Israel started going through tor turmoil and we, they went through turmoil because they started uh, looking and serving other gods. And so the nation of Israel was split into two kingdoms. There's a northern kingdom and there was a southern kingdom. And uh, the, the southern part was a, a kingdom of Judah. And that consisted of like two to four tribes. Some remnants from the other tribes did come there. And then the, 
the northern kingdom was called the, the kingdom of Israel. So it can get a little bit confusing. We've talked about this before. Um, king Jehoshaphat was a king of Judah. A lot of the kings would start out serving God, and then they, they would change, and they would deviate. Um, and I, I think I alluded last time that he started out that way. King Jehoshaphat persisted all the way through. So he was one of those few kings that continued to serve the Lord. And we will see possibly next week that um, because of his stance, the Lord blessed his kingdom. But when he sent out his people, he didn't just send anybody. He sent princes, he sent Levites, and he sent priests. And um, in the trend um, of these kingdoms, what is notable, what what stuck out was that there was more Levites um, than the priests, than uh, the princes. So in order um, of number, the greatest number as far as categories, when it comes to the princes, the priests, and the Levites, the biggest number was the Levites. Then it was the princes, and the princes were like the heads, the captains. Um, they were uh, people of rank. That does not mean that there weren't people of rank in the Levites. There were, but the princes were separated out from them. The Levites were separated out from everybody else. And then you had the priests and those were very, very few in number, especially the high priests. So we hit on that about, I don't even know, a couple of weeks ago. And we started talking about how, um, the Levites, they were to serve Aaron um, and, and his sons, his, his, his lineage. And we know that Aaron, Aaron was the, the brother of Moses. The Lord called him to serve as priests. They were separated out to serve as priests. The Levites, when we are talking about broad categories and descriptions, they are considered part of the priesthood. And so it was important what they did. And we understand in the scriptures, if you heard Sister Allie, when she um, uh, led prayer and, and her part on that one Monday night, um, she went back in numbers and, and brought out how the, the Lord said the Levites are going to be separated out and their purpose is to um, the, take the charge um, in serving with Aaron um, regarding the tabernacle. And when we went through these scriptures a couple of weeks ago in First Chronicles chapter 23, we started looking at how um, the Levites were separated out. Um, uh, the number that was listed was 38,000. Uh, of that number, there is 24, I'm going somewhere. Uh, out of that number, 24,000, they were set forward to do the work of the house of the Lord. And then from there, it goes on and it divvies them up. And some of the positions that they had was officers and judges and porters and those that praised so they were, there was different um, functions and different roles that these Levites had. And the scripture says that they were to serve regarding the house 
of the Lord, the work of the house of the Lord. It's a specific term I'm looking for. They are to keep the charge. They are to keep the charge of the tabernacle of the congregation, the charge of the holy place, the charge of the sons of Aaron, the brethren, um, again, in the service of the house of the Lord. Now, that is in First Chronicles chapter 23, 32. You don't have to turn there. I'm just referencing that. We talked about how um, the concept when it comes to ministry, now this is getting to where our church is at. The concept when it comes to ministry, um, a lot of people, your, your mind immediately goes to, oh, you're going to do ministry. You're going to be preaching or uh, teaching and being uh, on, in front of the congregation um, behind the pulpit. You're going to be on a platform. That's a lot of the... Um, what has been instilled in a lot of people in their minds when it comes to ministry. However, every department in the church that you serve in is a ministry. Ministry is not limited to what is on the platform. Um, there has been a glory associated with everything regarding the platform. And so we hit on that a couple of weeks ago, but that is not the case. And it's going back to, yes, we say this all the time. Anything that you're doing in the church is important. You do it unto the Lord. It absolutely is. And we are getting back to that in this church. That is a biblical principle that the Lord set from the very beginning. So much so that he made it a requirement that the Levites had to be separated out from the rest of the tribes of Israel. Now, um, we, we hit on how there are different, God gives you what you can handle. And that's not to say that you can't change so that the Lord can later on move you into a different area. But we can't devalue where we are currently at if we are serving somewhere where we think we, oh, I think I should be doing this as opposed to that. Or we want to do something else versus what we are currently doing. The Lord has you exactly where he needs you to be. And every department in the church, no matter how big, no matter how small, no matter how far away from the pulpit or the platform you are, you are doing it or you should be doing it unto the Lord. It is a ministry. And if you are doing it for the right reasons, you will know that God has you there for a purpose. And you are helping to build the kingdom as God has ordained. Now, I had used the example of the difference between my sister and I. You know, there's always one crazy person in the family. And it's not me. So, you know, there's one or two choices. I'm just kidding. Um, but the Lord sees the different abilities. And God has given different abilities. There are different impartations. 
Not everybody operates in the same way. Um, it, it's, it's kind of funny because um, I had talked to um, all the pastoral staff when the Lord had made this change um, within my role in the church. And um, I, I was talking to Pastor Hildebrand at one point, and um, he had made a comment that he was like, I'm sure you have a lot on your plate, um, you know, we're fine with what we have. Um, we, we, we're not looking for anything more. And so um, it's understood that there is, we are blessed in this church because you can trust the pastoral staff that is here. And, and I liken the pastoral staff to the princes because there's not that many of them and they are elevated to a certain place. Um, and it's all for a reason. It's all for a reason. We have to have structure, right? If you're out there driving and there are no lines in the road, that's just mass chaos. Yeah. The Lord is talking to somebody tonight. Um, you know, we, we have to have order. And there can be liberty... When that order is in place, this is why God can move. God moved in such an amazing way on Sunday. And the thing is, it's, it didn't just start on Sunday, um, but that's the most um, current example that we have. But you could just feel the presence of God here. It's like you don't want to leave. And we're able to flow with that. Um, people know uh, their parts in the church and they're able to flow with the changes because there was structure there already. And so God can say, well, I'm going to flow this way because there's an avenue for me, me to move in. But if we didn't have that, it would be kind of mass chaos. And there's a lot of churches, I would dare say, that can't experience the liberty that we felt because they are lacking in that structure. I want to um, point out that when the Levites were given the instruction to keep the charge, that holds some weight. And, and this is why we have um, tweaked some things in the church um, as far as getting involved in being a part of any department um, because it's important that you understand it doesn't matter how big or how small that role might appear to be. You have to handle it with the utmost care and give 110% of your ability. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 23, 32, I'm just going to reference it when it says that they should keep the charge. They should keep the watch, the sentry, the post, the ordinances, and they should keep means they should guard. They should hedge about like with thorns. They need to protect. They need to make sure they attend to. They need to make sure that they preserve the charge of the tabernacle. Whatever the sons of Aaron, their brethren needed, 
They needed to make sure they guarded that. They attended to that. Whatever responsibilities they were given as a porter or a judge, um, an officer, they had to make sure they protected and they had to make sure they kept it safe. In order for Aaron and the sons of Aaron to do what they were supposed to do as priests, they needed the assistance of the Levites. And if the Levites weren't doing their part, then Aaron and the sons of Aaron could not do their part because it was not meant for Aaron and the sons of Aaron to do absolutely everything that the Levites were supposed to do. Then they would be leaving their role that God had ordained for them to do as priests and high priests unattended. When it comes to uh, getting involved in any ministry, any department of the church. We are not just going to plug people in for the sake of trying to get you locked into the church. Um, there, ha that has been um, something that churches now have been doing as a way to Let's make people feel like they are a part. Let's be inclusive. So if we get you, as soon as you walk through the doors, if we, we get you connected and put you into something where you are serving, then you will feel like you're contributing and you'll stay a part of our community. There's a danger in that because the Lord was very specific. Sometimes when we give people something to do and there is no investment or sacrifice, they don't value that role, that responsibility, that authority. And so... It is very important that from the balcony to the floor, from the front to the back, whatever you are doing in the church, you understand that there is a responsibility on your part to make sure you are doing it for the right reasons. And it's the responsibility of the staff and of Bishop to make sure we set that precedence from the very beginning. And there has been, I believe this is why God has not given authority to churches because they are plugging in people that haven't cleansed themselves or haven't sanctified themselves, so to speak. You can't just have anybody helping to take charge of the Ark of the Covenant and the tabernacle and the instruments and you got to be careful. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 8 through 9. Let's go there. We're going to read there. I thought I would go really quick tonight. But like the spirit of the Lord lingering, the, the spirit of Bishop is lingering in this place. 
I know, I know. <laughs> he sounds like how some of y'all feel probably. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 8 through 9. Let's read this here. It says, at that time, the Lord separated. He did what? He separated the tribe of Levi. He divided them out. He made sure that there was a difference between them and all the other tribes. He distinguished them to do what? To bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord. To stand before the Lord, to minister unto him. To minister unto who? To God. And to bless in his name unto this day. In verse 9 reads, Wherefore, Levi hath no part nor inheritance with his brethren. The Lord is his inheritance, according as the Lord thy God promised him. Now, we need to keep in mind this scripture, because it is the Lord who separated out the tribe. Of Levi. When you feel that and you should, you should feel the urge. You should feel the calling of God to do more once you are locked in. Once you are striving to do right before the eyes of God. You've received the gift of the Holy Ghost. You've been baptized in Jesus' name. You're going to get to a point in your relationship with God as it develops, if it is growing, if it is developing, you are going to feel the pull of God to do more. And there are going to be some, you're not going to know what more you want to do in the church, but there are going to be some where you feel like you know where you want to do more in the church. Either way is fine, but you should feel that tug to do more. That is God. And it's God who does the separating. God is calling you to a higher place of dedication and commitment and consecration for the building of his kingdom. Now we do have in our church, now we want to direct anybody. And understand, um, the leaders are aware of this and they will continue um, to be refreshed on this once a year, but I'm going to explain uh, some of these things to the church as a general body so that you are aware. Um, before it used to be if someone was new to the church and they wanted to get involved, we would take them directly to that head person, that director or whoever, and we would tell them, hey, they want to get involved in this or that. We're not doing that anymore. The rule of thumb, there's always going to be exceptions. Okay, the Lord is going to bring people in where Bishop will know they're going to be um, sitting for a short time. There are some things that need to happen. Um, healing, there needs to be refreshing, there needs to be strengthening. What have you? Bishop will know and he will direct them when you are ready. Then you can talk to this person, you can talk to that person. There are going to be exceptions, but the general rule of thumb if someone approaches anybody in the church about getting involved, you are to direct them to the church website and let them know to contact the office. Because we now have a process for getting people plugged in. Why? Because the Levites were separated. 
the Lord had to make sure that there was a difference. There was a distinguishing mark with the Levites. And they couldn't just be like everybody else. There were, there were some things that they were going to be called upon to do that was going to take a little bit more effort than just being in service. And so now we are going to ask, if, if, you, if you hear of, of, of anyone new that's coming in, they want to get involved, again, this is a general rule of thumb. There are new families here. I'm not talking to those families. They know who they are. Um, but we, you will to direct them to the office, um, to contact the office because we now have a general participation application. And that's not to say like, send in your resume and CV. Give me your social security number. Really, we're calling it an application because we do have some things that we want people to fill out and it's to help um, cut down um, on all these flyby meetings we're getting away from um, where we can make sure you have an introduction to what the church is expecting and you're giving us some information to get to know you so that when we set up a time to meet with you it's not starting from ground zero. And in this general participation application, there are, it's, it's not like 20 pages, okay? It's not like a miniature Bible, the King James Jr. version or anything like that. It's, 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 it has some information there that talks about why we consider involvement in the ministry to be of the utmost importance and that we should take it seriously. Um, and there are things that are listed there that are required. We want people to know that these things are required of anybody getting involved, period. There will be things in certain departments, right? If you can't sing, then you're probably not going to join the music department, right? If, if you hate sound, thank God we got Britta Morrison sound who did an awesome job tonight with the blend, bruh. If you hate technology, we, we don't want you, you know, running the computers or anything like that. Um, if you don't like people, we don't want you greeting. At the, no, I'm just kidding. Okay, we want people being welcomed in, not turned away. Um, there, there are, I forgot where I was going. Um, there are things in this, this general, we call it, we're calling it the general participation application. Because it's just the very basics of what we are asking people to be able to say that they can do or are doing before they can get plugged in anywhere. I'm not going to hit everything, but I am going to say this. In order to be involved in any ministry, you have to have fulfilled the steps of salvation. You have to have received the Holy Ghost. You have to have been baptized in Jesus' name. That is absolutely important. It is the basis 
the foundation of everything. We can't just stop there, but it's a start. And here's the deal about, some of y'all are like, what in the world? We're turning this into a business. We're not turning this into a business. I can promise you that. But as the church grows, it is going to be impossible to deal with a lot of people wanting to get plugged in on these meetings that are one by one and that just happen at the spur of the moment. We, we can't handle that even now with how big the church has grown and how many ministries are going on. We have to make sure that the departmental heads, when they are in service, and even when you, when you are operating in whatever ministry department you are in at the moment, your focus during the service should be on the service and what you're supposed to be doing. There's already a lot going on. And there's already a lot that people are doing. And so we don't want to add more to that plate by just making it a free-for-all and that anything can happen. No, in service, we want to be focused on what the will of God is. When there's prayer, we should be praying. You know, we, we shouldn't be cleaning out closets and uh, let's, you know, get the schedule together and the, you have an issue, let's go talk about it. You have a, we, we need to be focused in the service and every department has to be focused on their part so that the service can go on. This, this is why we are putting all these things into place and why we actually already have these things in place. So uh, there are basic things that you have to fulfill. One of those things I'm going to add besides the steps of salvation, faithfulness to church. You've got to be faithful to church in order to be involved at any capacity. Now, I understand everybody, there are crazy work schedules going on right now. When you fill out this form, and we ask that you do it to the best of your ability, it's going to give us all the information we need so that we can send the right pastoral staff to set up a meeting with you. We want to, it's very important. It is the responsibility of the pastoral staff, the princess and the princesses. Amen. Hallelujah. That was a joke. Um, uh, it is important. And it is our responsibility that we treat the people right. We have to treat you like the bishop would treat you. And so all of this is put into place so that when we have that information, the right person can contact you to set up a meeting to discuss the next steps from there. You're not just going to be put in a pile and it's just like, eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Okay, you handle it. We have to make sure that we do you right in the eyes of God. If we don't, God will get us. And, and, you know, as all of us have experienced, whether we like it or not, a thump from the Lord is not, it's not a very good thing to feel. 
But faithfulness is absolutely key. Now, with all the crazy schedules that are going on, it may come to a point in time with some of you where it's like, hey, it's the timing might not be right for this right now. We just want you to be focused on your relationship with God and being here when you can be here. There will be a time when the Lord will make it clear it's time to plug them in. I don't want anybody taking offense and being like, oh, they're being, you know, they, they, they don't want to um, talk to me directly or anything like that. It is absolutely not the case. We are trying to get away from, from the pastoral staff, departmental heads, having to deal with things during services, especially a lot of you know, on Sundays, you can be tired after that day. You're giving your all on that day. And if you have been serving in some sort of ministry that day, you may have been on your feet quite a bit. You may have been um, focusing on multiple things. And so our minds are not always in the right space to make certain decisions when it comes to getting new people plugged in. And so we have to have that time to pray and to ask the Lord direction regarding each person. And as the church grows, there's no way we'll be able to handle that with fly-by meetings. When I, when I say fly-by, I mean, you know, hey, introduce, we're going to have a talk right here, right now. There's a lot of meetings that are already set on a lot of service days because people, the pastoral staff, they're trying to do their best to work with what is convenient for your schedule. And there are times where emergencies happen. Something needs to be addressed right away. I'm not saying that this is an absolute, you cannot, I think sister, I don't see her. Sister Abigail had a question for me on Sunday and that was something that really didn't need to wait. And so I'm glad that she, um, she asked me. There are gonna be things like that that happen. But I'm just saying that as a general rule of thumb, this is what we are um, moving the church in a direction to so that we can handle the influx that's already here. Does that make sense? Um, so I don't want anybody taking offense to that. Um, but when you read that general participation application, um, which is not going to be, you have to contact the church. It has to be a new member that's going to get that. Um, when you read that, um, you will see the things that we hold um, very dear as far as um, expectations from leadership. If you're involved in any ministry, any department, you are considered a leader in this church. We had it where there's some people they were getting by because we did not have some of these things in place. And um, unbeknownst to me, we had, with the structure of the church, you've got bishop, you've got the pastoral staff. Then you have the department heads. Then you have the people up under them. Then you have the people up... And so on and so forth. So the intent is to be able to trust your leaders, the people up under you, to handle what they're doing and to uphold the vision and the expectations of the man of God regarding leadership. We had some people, um, they, they weren't ready for uh, a leadership type of role because they were letting everything slide. It shouldn't be, they're not here anymore, so I can say this. 
It shouldn't be that you, you pick and choose when you're going to come to church. And then when you're here, instead of being in service and being engaged in the service to receive what you need because you've missed quite a bit of church, it shouldn't be that because you're involved in a ministry, you go and look at the schedule and you put yourself, deem it's okay for you to just do something because you're involved in the ministry on the service that you are here for. And we had people, people on the platform that would come in, do their part, and then leave. And then when, when it was addressed, then people wanted to get upset, which makes no sense to me. When you know the expectation, there is no, I'm going to, it would look really bad if I came in and I led service and then I left. My house would be burnt down. I'll tell you that much. There would be weeds all up in my yard. I would not have the assistance of Bishop and all of that. Um, That would be really bad. And so there are expectations that we are setting from the very beginning, from the outset. Why? Because this is important. You don't know what the Lord is preparing you for. If you are in a Levite role and the Lord is saying, I, I, I have ministry planned for you and being a priest or a high priest or a prince, but you have to start right here because I'll see where you're at right here. And from here I can grow you and I can develop you and I can mold those kinks out. And then I will lift you up to a higher elevation. We're setting the precedence from the, from the out, outset. Let's go to um, 1 Chronicles 15. Pastor Sandoval hit on this on Sunday. And I was like, Lord, he's, he's going over my lesson. I guess I'll skip that part on there. Just kidding. It's like, No. I'm going to come, come from the perspective um, of the teaching tonight um, and talking about focusing still on the Levites. And I'm going to give you the context. So 1 Chronicles 15, 11, um, through 15. We'll read it. Um, so... David is speaking here. David says, or the writer's talking about David. Verse 11, and David called for Zadok and Abiathar the priests and for the Levites, for Uriel, Asael, and Joel, Shemaiah, and Eliel, and Aminadab, and said unto them, ye are the chief of the fathers of the Levites. Sanctify yourselves, both ye and your brethren, that you may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel unto the place that I have prepared for it. For because ye did, not, ye did it not at the first, the Lord our God made a breach upon us for that we sought him not after the due order. Not after the ordinances that he had already put in place. 
So the priests and the Levites sanctified themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel. I'm going to stop right there. Let me give you the context behind this. Um, And uh, again, Pastor Sandoval hit on this on Sunday. Um, When Samuel, Samuel was a prophet, if if you're not familiar um, with the prophet Samuel, he grew up um, basically in the temple of God. And he was learning from um, uh, the priest that was there at the time who really wasn't doing right in the eyes of the Lord. But as he was growing up and during the course of his life, he is the one that uh, anointed um, Saul to be king. And he then anointed David to be king. And throughout the course of his life, um, before all that took place, there's, there, there's a, uh, an instance where the Philistines came and they fought Israel. And Israel's smitten. I hope I'm getting my timeline right. Israel's smitten um, and about 30,000 of their footmen fall. So it's a battle. Um, and there's a lot of suffering that happened um, on behalf of Israel. In this fight in which they were um, destroyed, they were conquered, the ark of God was taken. Okay, the Philistines took the ark of God. And they're traveling with sending this ark to this place, to this place, to Ashdod, to Ekron. So they're sending it to these places. And everywhere that the ark of God goes, the people are plagued. So it wasn't in the right place. The people weren't, had, didn't have the right respect for it. Um, and the Lord was sending a plague to them. So um, it's in the land of the Philistines for about seven months. And the Philistines are like, we're done. We've had enough. You know, this thing is just, it's whatever is associated, whatever God is associated with this ark is just tearing our hineys up. So um, they come up with this plan and um, they get, eventually they get rid of the ark. So I'm not going to go in all the detail there, but the end point of this is that they, it ends up at the house of Abinadab and it's in this place. I'm not going to tell you the name of the city because I can't pronounce it, but it's a city of Judah. And so it's in the house of Abinadab in a city of Judah for 20 years. Okay. For 20 years. And eventually Saul, who was king, um, the Lord moves him out of way, out of the way. And David becomes king. So David is the one that's like, let's go and get the ark of God. Let's bring it back to its proper place. Don't turn here. I'm just going to paraphrase. This is in second Samuel chapter six, verse two through eight. So David, he, he, he makes this proclamation and he, he gives a charge. This is what we're going to do. We're going to go and get the ark that has been at Abinadab's house for 20 years. From what I understand, if, if my research is correct, I do believe that Abinadab was of the Levites. Um, the issue is that they did not treat it with the proper respect that God had instructed from the very beginning. We cannot mishandle the things of God, no matter what position we are in. And so... This, this, this ark is there and it's David's responsibility to ensure 
that they do things the right way. He's the king. So David, he says, hey, we're going to go and get this thing. They get a new cart, and it sounds good. We're going to get a new cart. We're going to get the sons of Abinadab. They're going to drive this new cart out. And we're going to make sure we keep an eye on this cart and and make sure nothing happens. And um, we're going to bring it out and bring it to the rightful place. Bring it back to um, the people, God's people. So on their traveling, on their journey, you know, there's some shuffling. Something happens. And the oxen shook the ark of God where the, one of the sons of Abinadab, we, we understand, he reaches out to make sure it doesn't fall. If they had been carrying it and handling the ark the way that they should have, the way that God instructed from the very beginning, none of this would have ever happened. And God said, oh, that's it. The mercy of God is beautiful all the way up until it isn't. And then, you know, then we're like, oh, God, you should have. Listen, the Lord's in everybody's time of mercy is different. So I would caution you. There are some people where nothing has happened for 20 years. Your 20 years, you know that the Lord's math is different from everybody else's math. Your 20 years may be two years and somebody else's 20 years may be 40. But regardless, don't take the mercy of God for granted. When it comes to handling the things of God, I don't care what you're doing in the church. I don't care if you're out there picking up trash. You better make sure you're doing it the right way with the right spirit, the right consecration. Because God is not at a place right now where he's playing. His mercy is precious, and we must value what he's given us. So Uzzah dies, and, and David is, you know, he's distraught. He's like, oh, my word. He's like, oh, my lanta. Um, scripture says that the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah. We have to make sure, listen, I, I don't want the Lord to have to step in and say, okay, we need to take this out because you won't, you won't do things the right way. I'm going to do it. I would rather, God bless you. I would rather the man of God handle me than the Lord to get to the point where he's like, okay, now you're, now you're going to feel my hand. It's just, we cannot take that for granted church. So Uzzah dies and, and David, you know, he's like, oh my goodness. And so he takes it and he, uh, they put it in this other person's name. It starts with an O, Obed-Edom, I guess. Um, and during the course of the time there, three months, that house is blessed. So David gets his confidence back. He's like, let's go get it. And he's like, we're going to do it the right way, though. So that's what we just read in First Chronicles 15, 11 through 15. He calls for the priests. 
he calls for the Levites and he tells them, sanctify yourselves. Cleanse yourselves. Make sure that you have done things right. And if you haven't, make them right. Because you've got to get ready to handle the ark of God. We've got to bring it back. We've got to put it in its place. And I can't do it. You've got to do it according to God's word and God's will and God's purpose. It is not the responsibility of the man of God to stand out there and to greet people as they come into the sanctuary. It's not the responsibility of the man of God to do every counseling session. It is the responsibility of the Levites to do their part. And you can't do it unless you sanctified yourselves. This is why things like faithfulness to the health of God is part of the requirements to being involved. You can be seated. We can't take it lightly. David said, we're going to do it right. So sanctify yourselves so that you can bring up this ark to the place that's prepared for it. And he reminds them, because you didn't do this at the first, the house of Abinadab, they, they didn't sanctify themselves. They didn't treat the ark of God and carry it the way that it was supposed to be carried. Go to verse 15. And the children of the Levites bear the ark of God upon their shoulders with the staves thereon, not with the new cart and oxen. Why? As Moses commanded all the way back in Exodus when God gave it to Moses, according to the word of the Lord. So David had to reflect back and remember what he had been told, what he had been taught, what he had learned of the ways of God. And he had to bring the people back and say, hey, we've got some breaches that we we have put upon ourselves. But let's take a step back to the old ways and, and the old paths where the people had to be required to speak in tongues before they picked up the offering. And it is the responsibility of the Levites to bear the ark with the staves on their shoulder. Whatever your responsibility is in any department, hear me. You have to bear it right. You have to handle it right. You have to carry it the way that God has intended for you to carry it. It is not something light. You you can be seated. We're going to wrap this up. We have a lot of young people that are doing things. Now, I am not against young people being involved. Not at all. Um, I feel like I grew up on the platform. 
I think I, I took piano lessons when I was 11, and then um, Pastor Sibley, who was Brother Sibley at the time, um, he was a music director here, and uh, they ended up leaving, and it was myself and Brother Jason. We were like the only musicians here. And uh, so I think I was, I think I was 13 when I really started doing all the majority of the playing. It is possible to be involved at a very young age and for the Lord to continue to develop you. However, you have to be able to handle the responsibilities of the ministry you're involved in. For that reason, this is the general rule. There are always exceptions because I am not against, Bishop is not against, the pastoral staff is not against someone doing more if they can handle it. It is not the will of God to hold somebody back from doing the will of God. Where's Brother Hayden? Brother Hayden on the front row here. Y'all see him playing the drums. How old were you when you um, um, got involved with the music department? Was he 12? He's 12. Um, and he didn't start out on the drums. He started out um, doing percussion. Um, Brother John in the back here who, you know, was kind of doing everything. Um, I love Brother John on percussion. If it's up to me, I wouldn't let him do anything else. He's that good. My favorite percussion piece, y'all ready for this? Y'all ready for this? Is a triangle. Love the triangle. <laughs> um, we are asking that if you are less than 16 years of age, that you only be involved in one ministry in the church. And a lot of that has to do just with maturity. Um, and if you're less than 16, you're most likely not driving by yourself. And so you have to rely on your parents. And because of a lot of the ministries, a lot of the departments, and Pastor Hildebrand, Pastor Sandoval, they'll correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of us has geared them the same way where, um, in departmental heads, where uh, if you are scheduled to do something on a Sunday, whatever department you're in, for a service on Sunday, you're scheduled for both of the services. And so that can take a lot. And so when you're less than 16 and you're having to rely on your parents, um, Sometimes um, there can be different pools. There can be a different pool on the parents and a different pool on the young person. And so for the sake of the young person that is involved, if they're less than 16, we're asking to limit them to just one ministry. Because when you are doing something in the church, you're probably going to be doing quite a bit of it. When you're not doing something in the church, we don't want you involved in another ministry where you're, you can be easily distracted and then you're not getting what you need. It is important that you develop your relationship with God. And we love the young people in this church. We don't want them doing too much. Whereas before, you, you got talent, we will use you up. Burn your talent up. We're not doing that anymore. Just had to throw that out there. Um, 
got distracted. Anyway, you can go ahead and stand on your feet. I just want to stress, we're going to end here. The Levites, back in Numbers, they had to be purified. We understand at the very end of what we just read, that the 15th verse, that David had to remind them. He had to make sure that the Levites carried the ark. They handled the things of God the way that they were supposed to. It is the responsibility of Bishop and the pastoral staff to make sure that the departments and the people that are involved are doing their best to make sure they're handling the things of God with the right spirit and in the right way. And so that's why some of these things are being put into place. It's not to be more burdensome. In fact, I believe that we are lifting the weight off a lot of people. Because the most important thing is that you've got to make it to heaven. And being involved in a ministry does not add more points to the list. In fact, you know, that, that can be detrimental. And it's become this perceived thing. If I'm doing something in the church, I'm a-okay. When the relationship, they don't even know who God is. Is not a good thing to be involved in a ministry and you can't worship at the front. To have some sort of leadership role, whatever that role. And there are some, some leadership roles that I, I don't even know. I can't even name um, their titles because we'll get to this next week. There are some ministries where you don't have a department that you are plugged in. I like to call you centuries. You are, some of y'all are centuries that the Lord has given you a level of discernment or um, you, you can intercede. There are things you pick up on and you battle in the spirit and you're not plugged in to the typical department, but you are a minister and you should be doing your part from the pew. We need you. We need you looking out for the church. You are to guard the things of God. So we will get to that next week. But all of us, myself included, do you know how many times I had to repent today? You don't even want to know. It's like, man, the Lord's going to have to come up with a new number, trying to make sure my spirit is right before I come up in here. Um. We all have to make sure that we are doing our best. It's, it's not about the church. It's not about us. It's not about Bishop. It's about God. It's about God's will. It's about God reaching the lost and using us to do that. So if we can pray all over the building, lift your hands, God.